and welcome to the Mental Health Crossroads podcast, where we explore the intersection of mental health and developmental disabilities. In this episode, we talked to the Boston University Research Group. We've spoken to them in an episode before, which is linked below if you'd like to listen to it. As a housekeeping item, this is the last episode in our season of the MHDD Crossroads podcast. If you're looking for something new to listen to, we want to direct you to the link in our show notes for the Developmental Disabilities Network Journal podcast. Please watch for this new podcast coming out in the next six months. We hope you enjoy it as we finish up the MHDD Crossroads podcast season two. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Mental Health Crossroads podcast. Today, I'm joined by a lovely team from Boston University. Uh, To start off, can everyone go around and introduce themselves? You can talk about work, hobbies, interests, or whatever you want to share. Hi, my name is Alex, and I work on a team at Boston University helping people with disabilities. Thanks, Alex. Uh, Jesse, do you want to go next? Hello, my name is Jesse Corey. I am 21 years old, and I am an individual at Boston University who helps REO with a project on people with disabilities. Thanks, Jesse. Uh, Jenna. Hi, my name is Jenna. I've worked on this project with Ariel and others about helping people with disabilities. And I'm a part-time student at Mass Bay. Awesome, thank you. Uh, Ariel, did you wanna introduce yourself also and maybe give an overview of the project? Sure. So I'm Ariel Schwartz. I am a researcher at Boston University and I have the pleasure of working with Jenna, Alex and Jesse on a research project where we're trying to learn more about disclosure for young adults who have intellectual or developmental disabilities and co-occurring mental health conditions. And we know that disclosure of disabilities in the workplace can help people get accommodations, but it can also be a tricky process that maybe not everyone wants to do or they might not be sure how. So we wanted to learn more about how people specifically talk about their mental health conditions. And you'll be hearing from Jesse, Jenna, and Alex more about how we worked as a team to do that and what we learned. Thank you. I'm gonna go ahead and jump into the questions. Um, So first off, I think Alex, you're gonna take most of this one. Can you give us a summary of how your research team works and why this method of research is used? We met every other week We practiced what we would say to people and reviewed the questions and we organized it. We made the questions and then we analyzed the data. When we analyzed the data, we included everyone take on what was relevant and important to the data coming from their own experiences. Each individual had a few interviews with different people from all around the United States. We had discussions as a group and would generally agree on how to organize the data. Thank you. I'm going to jump into this next question here. Um, I'm wondering why do you do research as a team and why would you say it's important to do it that way? Um, Jesse, do you want to help answer this question? We are working as a team to find out what helps people with disabilities and what doesn't. It's easier for people with disabilities to relate to each other. We are looking for similarities and differences. Some people get nervous working with people with disabilities and people with disabilities have strengths and we could really relate because we are going through those same things in their personal lives 
but people without disabilities can't relate. Members of the team who have their own disabilities and their own work experiences bring in their views of those experiences make to the questions and view the data helps understand it from a unique perspective. We learned a lot from hearing other people's stories and could really relate to them. Thank you. Um, I'm just gonna ask a question I was wondering. Did you guys work as a team also all together to come up with the questions that you want to ask? Yes, we did. We would meet every couple weeks, I think. Yes. Okay, so you were a team for basically almost every step of the project then? Yes, we were. Oh, thanks. Um, Jenna, can you tell us what the research topic is? Our research topic is about disclosing mental health conditions for work. And why did you guys choose this topic to study? We chose to study this topic to know who discloses and how they do that and whether or not it's scary for them. By doing so, we were learning about what happens when people disclose in the interview process and if companies and organizations are following through to help people. We found out how familiar or not familiar companies are with people with disabilities. We also wanted to know how people asked for accommodations and the accommodations they got. We wanted to hear examples that these people had when working. We also wanted to learn how companies supported people with mental health conditions during their experiences. But why is this topic important to you guys personally? I think accommodations are really beneficial for people with disabilities or mental health conditions. Um, when I was working, I had a few that I used in the beginning and as I got more comfortable, I found I didn't need some and some I kept. So I think for everyone personally to have a company that supports them and can accommodate them so they can be successful in the workplace is really important. Um, I wanted to add that I think that going into a job interview and practicing like all the questions and knowing if you need an accommodation to tell them up front because then they can make the job better for you instead of waiting till six months in and then not having the accommodation. And then, yeah. I chose this because I think that this was an important topic, especially since it's been discussed at Community Connections. Can you let me ask you what Community Connections is? It's a post-high school graduation program for students in the Newton Public Schools program, which have disabilities. And people in the program actually did not receive their diploma at high school. And people could stay in that program from their high school graduation until they turned 22. Okay, thank you. Welcome. So this is something I was wondering when you guys shared with us the topic that you were talking about is if you can give you know some examples, some ways that a person's mental health can affect their work. So um, some of the most common ways that mental health affects people at work were coping with changes as inconsistent or changing work schedules, sensory and information overload. Several people told us they need to take a lot of breaks or that it that was hard to get to work because of their mental health. 
Sometimes it was hard to get to work because it was so hard to get out of bed. Some people struggled with controlling their emotions at work. Other people mentioned communication issues. We talked to a few people who had OCD. Some of them had struggles, such as a lot of hand washing, but some people said there were benefits such as having good organization skills. I like that you guys talked about how there's strengths as well as challenges associated with some of these. Um, you mentioned sensory and information overload. Can someone maybe talk about that a little bit more, maybe explain it if someone's listening to this and they're not really sure what that means? I think that sensory information overload means given too much instructions at once. That's a great example, Jesse. So that might be an example of when people have too much maybe verbal information and it's overwhelming. What were some other examples of sensory information overload from some of the interviews? Maybe it was too loud in the environment and they needed to take a break um, or maybe they need to like fidget or something. Those are great examples from the research. Yeah. Another one I want to ask a little bit was communication issues. I know there's a lot of different ways that can look from person to person. Do you guys remember maybe some specific examples that you heard when you were doing this? A lot of people told us that they communicated with their managers and supervisors because they told them up front that they had a disability and that they were very, very accommodating to them. So what were some of the challenges with communication that we heard from people? Um, I would think some examples were um, co-workers who they hadn't disclosed to um, not really understanding how to support people with any parts of their disabilities like the hand washing or needing extra breaks or having instructions maybe written down there were also I think some talking about like talking about their schedule so who to call if they needed to call in who to talk to when they needed changes in their schedule, uh, different things like that. Thank you. That was what I was thinking. It sounds like a, it can show up in a number of different ways, whether it's maybe not knowing how to communicate something or if there's something you need accommodation with, or also just not knowing who to go to. I think all those things affect communication. Moving on, um, can, Jenna, can you tell me about some examples of mental health accommodations at work? Sure. Um, these were generally the more common ones that we found. So some of them were having breaks frequently, having a job coach on site, having a specific shift time and flexible attendance. Some people needed a specific or more flexible schedule, while other people needed shorter work hours than their coworkers maybe having individualized tasks, getting to work in a preferred space at work, having social support system, which involves knowing specifically who to contact when issues arise at work, creating a buddy system where you have some a coworker that you work with more frequently or you can go to instead of just your manager and having a support person from outside of work. Some of the less common ones that we had were being allowed to listen to music or having a reference or checklist at work. For those um, accommodations, can it change over time or do they have to ask for all of them at the beginning? Does that make sense? 
Yeah, I mean, I think if you're initially disclosing, you can maybe work out some accommodations that you think would work best. And as you're on the job and you're learning and you're working, you can communicate with a manager or whatever kind of boss you have to get more accommodations or maybe say, oh, I don't think I need this accommodation, but this accommodation would work instead. Okay, good. So I know, you know getting to know yourself over time, we might not always know what works best for us. And I would hope that there would be some flexibility on the job to be able to change it as time goes on. Does anyone else want to add to this? So I know one that we talked about that folks were kind of, I think, surprised about was being able to listen to music. And so I think maybe does anyone want to talk about when we heard about that and how it helped people? I think when um, some people got to listen to music, like for me personally, listening to music really calms me down. So I think it really helps most people maybe to listen to like a calming song or whatever they listen to. So I think that that's a really good accommodation to give someone if they need that. Yeah, and so some people had permission to have their phones out, maybe at jobs where phones weren't usually allowed. And I think this was kind of a surprising accommodation for some of us to learn about. Jesse, can you tell me about some benefits of disclosing mental health conditions at work? Some benefits involving disclosing mental health conditions at work involve getting accommodations was one of the positive outcomes was the biggest positive outcome getting help at work or outside of work, such as having a buddy system or support from a supervisor. Employees are more patient and understanding and were better respectful if and whenever an issue arose. Were there also some disadvantages with disclosing it? Alex, can you tell me about some disadvantages? The main disadvantage was being bullied or discriminated against. We hope that no bullying policies will change that. Some people were afraid of getting fired. Are there, you know, did anyone talk about their jobs not having no bullying policies in place? I think that all jobs have a bullying policy in place. Okay, yeah, I'd say it's a form of discrimination. I know that there are laws that are supposed to help protect people against that, but I know it's difficult because sometimes people say things without even realizing that they're being offensive towards someone and I think that can affect you when you're at your job. Um, I like that you guys covered the benefits as well as the disadvantages. So does, well, do any of you guys remember some of the stories we heard about bullying? Because even though maybe people are not supposed to, we actually did hear some stories about it. Does anybody remember any of them or want to share? One of the people that I interviewed with Ariel, um, they were bullied pretty significantly at their work and it was very stressful. And that person found that it was too harsh an environment for them to work. And they end up, ended up, I believe, leaving, um, even though they were enjoying the work. Was anyone surprised by any of the advantages or disadvantages, or does anybody else want to add something? With the disadvantages is that I think that, because it says we hope that no bullying policy will change that. Like, I think that there's in all jobs, there should be a no bullying thing. So I think that's right. Jesse, Jenna, did you want to add anything about the advantages or disadvantages? 
Um, I would say one of the advantages is if, uh, I think a more common thing is to definitely to disclose to your boss during an interview or after you have gotten the job, but it's not as common, at least in the interviews from what I was doing, to disclose to your coworkers. But I found that in my job, because I had, they were much more patient and understanding for some of the accommodations that I had. So I think that disclosing can be a real positive if you feel comfortable enough to do that to your coworkers. Thank you, I think that's a really good point. Um, Jesse, is there an example that you wanted to share? No, thanks. Okay, I just wanna give you the chance in case there was. And I think what Jenna was saying is really interesting because sometimes there are recommendations to not disclose to coworkers, but we really did hear about how sometimes it was helpful. So maybe some of that advice that people are getting to never disclose to coworkers maybe isn't the advice that people in our study benefited from. Did you find that, um, do most people know that they can request like accommodations for mental health conditions? Most people that we talk to have disclosed. Um, I'm not sure. I only interviewed a couple people. I'm not sure about Jesse or Jenna. I don't know if they had anyone that did not disclose, but most people, yes. I think I had at least three interviews. And I had to, to cancel one of them. Well, did anyone in the interviews you did not disclose or not know that they could ask for accommodations? I believe one of the interviews that I did, I think she had minimally disclosed to her boss, but she had not disclosed to any of her coworkers. And I don't believe she had asked for any accommodations and she really didn't uh, know about any accommodations she could have asked. Thank you. I could see it being really common that people aren't aware that they can ask for accommodations or I do think the general attitude is that that's just something you don't talk about and you wouldn't tell anybody and that you're supposed to feel embarrassed about it. Whereas, you know, I, I don't think that's the case. And I think we should be talking about it more to sort of get rid of that stigma, but I can see how that would affect people at their jobs a lot because you're worried that at least I know I've had my experiences where you think you look weak if you end up like sharing that information. Whereas I don't, I don't think that's the case. Yeah, does anybody remember any uh, people sharing about that, like how they felt about, we had some people talk about how like disclosing a mental health condition might be different from say disclosing autism or another disability. I don't know if you guys remember the differences that people were talking about. Yeah, so I remember being surprised that one or two people told us that um, there was, they felt like more stigma around mental health than like autism or another developmental disability or an intellectual disability. So what does disclosure look like? What can people do to make sure that it goes well? I'm curious, like, are there steps like that someone is supposed to take when they're disclosing? Or can it look different for everyone? Sorry, that was a lot of different questions. Just to begin with, uh, Jesse, can you just describe what disclosure looks like? Disclosing your mental health condition and or disability means to speak about your conditions, whether or not you're happy or reluctant to do so. Some people talked about being honest and upfront about their disability at the beginning. It could 
be helpful to have a positive spin. For example, sharing your disability, but also talking about your strengths and not being ashamed. A lot of people disclose to help their job performance, for example, to get accommodations. When disclosing in an interview, be direct and only discuss what will impact job performance. When disclosing to coworkers, be direct and don't overshare your past. Those last two points that you made, I think, are very interesting. And I feel like, yeah, you're sharing it for a reason. So I'm wondering, has there been examples of, you know, you know, cases where it came back and it sort of affected someone negatively that they overshare their past or maybe they share things that didn't affect their job performance? I know that a couple people in my interviews kind of said like, in the past like they didn't like their job so they kind of like were thinking about that in the jobs and it was kind of a little hard for them to get back on track what can happen if um you know someone isn't direct and they talk about things that don't impact their job performance as well if they're not direct they might do poorly during the job so jesse what do you mean by that so what do you mean by do poorly what I think this means is that they are having more trouble or ha- having way so much trouble, unnecessary trouble that they wouldn't have if they were direct at disclosing. That makes sense. I think if you're not direct with you know, your employer, your boss, then they might not know how they can accommodate you. You know, if you're not expressing that to them clearly, then you know, how are they going to know either? Did you find, were there people that um, didn't disclose at the beginning, but then later on they did? Not anybody that I interviewed, but I don't know about Jesse or Jenna. I, I, I don't, I think that during at least one of my interviews, this was the case, but I, I, I don't remember for sure. I believe one person, um, they didn't disclose so much in their interview and they had some issues um, between communication with their manager and their coworkers later on. And then they disclosed, but it was more reluctant to do so then. Is it recommended to always disclose during the interview as opposed to waiting until you do get hired? In some of the data that we looked at, job coaches would usually recommend that. Um, and in some of the interviews, I think that they said that their job coaches or other professionals had told them to wait. But I think it really depends on what the person is comfortable with. During at least one of my interviews, I found out that that he disclosed immediately and I thought that was great and I would recommend that. What are the advantages of disclosing it right away? And Jesse, you said you like that. Why do you think it's a good idea to do that from the very beginning? I think it's a good idea from the very beginning because then you'll have the most positive work experience that, that there is available. So, so this next question, I think it would be great to hear from everybody from. If you are talking to a young adult about disclosure and maybe they're having some hesitation, what advice would you give them about disclosure? Uh, Jesse, do you want to go first? Be direct and honest about the information you disclose. 
My personal preference is to tell people up front, but it's not up to them for me. Disclosing is helpful to get accommodations. I've been through so many job trainings, and the one thing that I practiced a lot was interview questions. I could never understand why we had to keep practicing them, but it helped me when I went to an interview and actually answered the questions. Don't be ashamed to tell someone you have a disability. Discuss what you're going to disclose to someone beforehand, be it a job coach, your therapist, a parent or guardian, someone that you trust who can help you understand what will make the most positive impact with your disclosing. And like Alex said, interview, uh, doing mock interviews is really helpful. I think it is too. I mean, doing those practice interview questions beforehand, whether or not they end up actually asking you those, I feel like it helps you to feel prepared and maybe you're a little bit more confident when you walk into the interview. Did you guys learn anything new yourself while doing this research? Like things that could be helpful for you that maybe you hadn't done before? I think the disclosing right away thing is something new I learned. I learned that like disclosing is really important because if you don't disclose that you need an accommodation, you're, you're not going to get one. And you should be really upfront with them. Like, you don't have to say, like, I have a disability, but you could say it in other ways for them to get, for you to get some help. Do you mind um, talking about that a little bit more when you say t- to say it in other ways? Like, say it in other ways. Like, you could say, like, for example, like, some things are harder for me. So, like, maybe, like, writing something down on a piece of paper or reading something might be a little more harder for me to understand and maybe like telling them to do it in a different way. Okay. I feel like they would appreciate that direction as well, because I feel like it's going to benefit you as well as them if they know what works best for you. And I usually like a question that I've been asked before, and I've also asked people is um, whether or not you are able to ask questions if you don't understand something, or if you want to do something a different way, are you comfortable in letting us know? So I actually think it looks really good to talk about that from the beginning. It shows that you have good, good communication. Were you guys surprised by anything that you learned from the data? Um, I was surprised that a lot of people in the interviews had similar things happen to them that also happened to me. So for example, when somebody said like, they disclosed that they had a disability in their interview. I didn't, I like, I could relate to that because I had to do that in many of my interviews or like if they had a job coach, like I could relate to, I had a job coach as well. Did they have the same concerns or maybe any fears that you also felt? Um, Some of it was the same. Like if they had trouble going to work sometimes, like I could relate to like the mental health part of it. So like, yes and no, kind of. Was being- I'm like in the middle. Like I could relate a little bit and some of it not. Thank you. Um, Jenna, was there something that you were surprised by? I thought it was rather surprising to learn that people could get an accommodation of flexible scheduling. Uh, prior to my job and even during it, I really didn't know that you could get that accommodation. I had always thought you were told to go to work and when you're supposed to, and then, and then you're there and then you go home. Yeah, I appreciate when jobs have that option too. Uh, Jesse, what about you? 
It's surprising to me that some people could get a lot of breaks during their days at work. Um, did you guys find that it was helpful or not helpful to be able to relate to the people you were talking to? It was really helpful to talk to people that could relate to us because I felt like they're the people that could or young adults that could actually understand where we're coming from and we could help them. They could help us learn new skills or new things to say to people. I think it was helpful just to find someone else you can relate to uh, for either person. You know, a lot of the people that we interviewed were younger in their 20s or 30s. Um, and I know in the future, I'll have to go and do another interview and find another job and kind of hearing that other people went through similar experiences that I did during my first job kind of makes me feel a little bit more prepared that hopefully I'll find another supporting uh, workplace. Were there ever times that people talked about from the very beginning not feeling supported, like when they disclose that people respond negatively to them? A lot of the people I interviewed, a lot of it was positive. Um, there wasn't really any negativity in any of my interviews. Yeah, I feel like that's really reassuring to hear because I feel like there is that fear, but knowing that other people have done this before and it did go well and it ended up benefiting them can make people you know, feel more likely to want to do it themselves. And I appreciate you guys talking a little bit about some of your own experiences too. So Jenna and Jesse, did you have, so most people said that they had pretty good experiences, but we also did have some examples of some not so great experiences. I don't know if Jesse or Jenna, you wanted to share anything that you remember from the interviews that you did. I believe I had one person who, uh, when they did disclose, uh, whoever they were disclosing to at the interview, didn't really handle it very professionally. They were kind of a little uncomfortable or they were a little bit, not demeaning, but they didn't really know how to be like, well, what accommodations do you need? They're more like, well, will this affect you there? And so in some of the interviews, I think this person did, they ended up feeling like the workplace wouldn't be supportive. So they didn't continue with the job application or they just were not asked back. Something that I really loved hearing was people like that specific young adult who essentially said, if the workplace isn't supportive, you don't have to stay with them. Like you deserve to be somewhere where they're gonna support you and respect you and value you no matter what. Um, and I liked that I heard a few young adults really feeling that way feeling really empowered to make those sorts of choices. When you said that, Ariel, it made me think about how, you know, we talk about how our mental health can affect our jobs, but it is important to have that supportive environment because it can work both ways. You know, you might want to put up with something at a job where you think that you can just get over if they're not being supportive. But, you know, over time, I think it's going to get to you. Like I've had my own instances where you have bad communications or struggles at work, you know, ends up affecting your mental health. It's not always just something you can leave at the job. You go home and it's still affecting you. Jesse, if you were going to do this research all over again, is there something that you would do differently? I would include people 
from different countries to do this research, although it might be hard for them to use Zoom, but we could try. Have two, I, I would like to interview two people at once instead of just one at Aereo so we can incorporate the perspective of more people when asking questions. So Jesse, do you want to explain that again? Because I think it was that everyone felt that it'd be better if it was like two of like Jesse and Alex or Jenna and Jesse doing the interview instead of just one of you and one of me. Yes. So have two of us, of me, Alex, and or Jenna to do the interviews in order to incorporate the perspectives of more people when asking questions. If I could do the research all over, I would like to take a survey with more people about the topics we studied. For example, asking companies to give the survey to their employees so we could learn from more people. Do you guys know about how many people you talk to all together? We talked to 12 people. And also another component of the research that we haven't talked about as much, you don't need to include this, is that I did focus groups with 17 like transition specialists, job, vocational rehabilitation people, and asked them similar questions about the advice they give. And then this group also analyzed that data. So they got to see the data from 29 people. So you were doing that research, just I'm assuming in person, and this one was online. What were some challenges that you faced because this was all done online? Um, we couldn't actually like interview the people like face to face. I mean, we did like I meant like in person. That's what I meant. Um, so it was it would be nice to meet them, but we didn't get to actually like meet them in person. So it's like curiosity. Was it hard to find people for this study to recruit to ask questions to? Uh, I mean, I can say that. Ariel shifted through a lot of emails and stuff. Um, she sent out some like digital posters or she contacted different colleagues and was trying to get the word out, but she would go through different times where she'd be getting a lot of emails asking about it. And then a lot of times when she was not. So it was kind of difficult getting people to interview. Alex, I saw you. It looks like you were laughing too. Is there a reason why? Did you? Oh, think because the only reason why I was l- laughing a little bit is because I was trying to help Ariel find people, and it just wasn't working, and it just took a while to find people. So that's why I started laughing. Because we, like, I remember I was zooming with Ariel one day, and she just started emailing like hundreds and hundreds. Well, not hundreds, but like a lot, a lot of people, and it was just kind of funny. It is hard. I've had a similar struggle before trying to find people, which it's interesting. I feel like it goes both ways. It's hard to find people to interview to get information. But another challenge is like you have all this really good information. Now, how do you get it out for more people to learn about it? Which kind of leads a little bit into my next question. How can people learn more about your research? Well, we do have a Facebook page. I forget what it's, Aria, what's it called again? It's called Disability Research, and we've done a lot of recruitment on it. To find out about your research and data from this study, we can go onto Facebook and look at Disability Research Team. And is it available on the page? We have not posted any information about the research on this page, but 
we'll probably post the link to this podcast when we're ready. And we um, wrote a paper and we just submitted it to Disability and Rehabilitation, which is a research journal. And it um, everybody on the team worked to make sure we agreed with everything in the paper. And then um, and they gave their feedback. And then Jesse and Alex decided that they wanted to write a little bit. So their voices are also in the paper. So we'll post that paper when it's published. And um, we can maybe think about as a team if we want to post any little tidbits on this page about what we learned. Okay. I appreciate you guys talking with me today. Thank you for listening to this episode of the MHDD Crossroads podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Visit our website at mhddcenter.org or follow us on social media at mhddcenter. Thank you for listening to our podcast.